Welcome to the CoLab, the only podcast for business owners who are committed to growth through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Get ready to put your heads together to boost your business to the next level with your hosts, the ultimate team players, Megan Marsh and Andre Munar. Tuesday collaborators and welcome back for another episode. I'm Andre Munar and I'm here with my co-host Megan Marsh. We're so grateful that you're joining us today on this week's discussion. As you know, on the CoLab podcast, one of our missions is to inspire you, to give you ideas, to help you get off your feet. Maybe you want to own your own business. Maybe you want to uh, do something for yourself. Instead of working for a man, you want to be the man or the woman. And we've talked to a number of business owners, really in the mortgage industry sector, especially if you listen to our last season, we talked about all of those. We're going to talk about starting a business out of a skill that maybe you learned or that you networked that they built up over years. But if you don't have a skill or a network, um, is opening a business something to consider? And today I'm actually really excited to dive into this topic because that's kind of what it's about. You don't have to have a specific niche. A lot of people want to be the man or the woman, but they don't feel like maybe they have a specific niche, right? So today's guest is going to share with us, uh, with you, um, how he helps individuals who want to own a business and connect with the business opportunity, um, which maybe will get your mind going a little bit, right? Maybe you're like, oh, I really love that, but I never knew how to do it. So I'm excited to share this with you, and I hope that it's going to give you some information. And we're going to be specifically discussing uh, why you would want to consider starting a franchise, um, how a franchise is different than starting your own business from scratch, right? So from absolutely zero to maybe already having something in a box that you just need to unpack. Um, the things to make sure you consider and research, really, really important research, uh, before choosing a specific franchise um, and how someone like Lance can help you find the right franchise. Um, also, if you already know a business, we will discuss how you can turn a business into a franchise. Thank you, Dre. Our guest today, collaborators, is Lance Growlick. Like he says, growl like a bear, lick, lick a lollipop. I love, that. <laughs> love it. <laughs> he is the founder and CEO of Ion Franchising, an industry-leading franchise consulting and development group. Ion Franchising represents over 650 franchise brands and opportunities in like 90 categories, guys. Check out their website. I went and did that and I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, So Lance helps prospective entrepreneurs find their perfect franchise free of charge. And he also helps independent business owners create a franchise system, which I'm really interested in understanding. Um, He started in a family business on Wall Street after receiving his economics degree. He joined TJI Friday's franchise in Arizona as a key executive there and was pivotal in their rapid growth to becoming a $225 million organization. Uh, And then, you know, he then started up, uh, he was with Krispy Kreme Donuts, Wingstop, a lot of big brands. Um, until he became the founder of a donut chain called Pink Pink Box Donuts in Las Vegas. So as a business startup expert with more than 25 years of experience, uh, he is going to offer so much value to any of you that just really don't know what you want to do or how to do it. So I really want to just 
jump into the episode here and welcome Lance. So, hi, Lance, are you here? Thanks for joining us today. I am here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for that introduction. I never laughed so hard. <laughs> I was just taking your words. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. We're so we're so excited to have you on the show because we really don't know anything about franchising. You know, um, you and Andre and I, our businesses that we've started have started from scratch and it is painful and it takes a long time and there's so much failure in there. So can you start by just telling our listeners a little bit about the background I just talked about and, you know, just that journey to get to the place where you're at today, assisting, you know, future business owners or existing business owners? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, and I'll be happy to get to the point of, of you know, really what is a franchise and why would you do it versus starting your own? It's uh, it's a question I get almost every single day from people. Uh, but my journey is, uh, look, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, grew up in a Wall Street family, although uh, I was very fortunate. You know, there's a whole discussion or sort of like argument these days. Why do why or how do people become entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the old uh, I think it's called the nature versus nurture discussion. And for me, it's pretty simple. I was born an entrepreneur. And why I've figured that out by now is both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. So the habits I got to see from a, being a little kid is, you know, how come they don't have bosses, you know, as you start to learn about getting a job and, you know, being employed. So I, I remember really early on as I graduated college with my economics degree, and I was working for my dad's company on Wall Street. And I told dad, so, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not exciting to me. I mean, I think anybody can do this, you know, trading stuff and it just doesn't excite me. I'm more of a people person. You know, I have a, I have a head for numbers and business. Um, I worked in bars and restaurants throughout college when I wasn't even allowed to. Mom, mom saw money in my checking account in college and said, where are you getting all this money from? Well, mom, I got a job. What do you mean you got a job? You're supposed to be in and out in four years. I don't want to hear you got a job. Boy, isn't that interesting, right? So I was I was always a go getter. I was I always had that work ethic, which all entrepreneurs certainly need that self starter. You know, uh, I'm going to be the trailblazer, the rainmaker, whatever you want to call it. So but I left Wall Street and I pursued opportunities with another family member that was doing this TGI Fridays franchise and we built it to an enormous company within five years a lot of it through acquisition and i like to tell people i got my mba or phd in business development learning it all um you know at least what i thought was it all back in the old days but you know you shared a lot of the rest i've become a, a franchisee of multiple brands i was president of the franchise advisory council for wingstop i've mentored a lot of other franchisees, franchisors. Uh, my favorite thing is to mentor my employees, give them the direction that maybe their parents aren't giving them or the motivation or the inspiration, because that's sometimes what it takes. A lot of people yeah. don't have the confidence and don't believe in themselves. So Love those, that. Are the quick, those are the quick highlights. But, you know, to, to wrap that part up, uh, you know, because of all my franchise experience, my operations experience, a lot of brands started asking me, well, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And that led to franchise development. And franchise development is essentially franchise sales, franchise growth. How do you find me some franchisees? And uh, I enjoyed that. And then I realized, as everybody in America can appreciate today, wait a second, I could work from home. I can actually be anywhere. I could be in Maui on a raft. As long as I have an internet connection, 
I can conduct business and refer people essentially to the franchise that they should be with, finding them their perfect franchise, helping mm-hmm. set up a franchise system, and and boom, we're there. Like wow. that, I can uh, I can really relate to your. As long as you've got internet, you're good to go. Uh, thankfully, I have a really amazing business partner, and she let me move to Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> I know, I, I really love relate that. to that. I can relate to that very much. I, I would be it. there too if I didn't have four kids. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the kids are kids are uh, all college age or out for me, so that makes it pretty easy. Soon, so- Megan. <laughs> So one of the next, one of the other questions that I had, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, is what is the what's the advantages and the disadvantages to deciding to buy and start and grow a franchise versus starting your own business from scratch? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. The first step for me always for people is, you know, do you have a burning desire to create? your own business. In other words, something that gets you really excited, something you really think needs to be born. Uh, as, as you guys certainly know, and many of your listeners know, businesses result from some pain point that an entrepreneur encounters or experiences or a problem that they notice. I mean, I can't imagine what Mark Zuckerberg was thinking when he started Facebook. But clearly, he knew that that was a good idea. Um, He had the luxury of knowing that uh, MySpace existed and didn't didn't do certain things. Um, And he, you know, went forward and created a business. I mean, that's, you know, I could use the Ray Kroc example that everybody seems to know some piece of, the founder of of McDonald's. He saw the idea um, that the McDonald's brothers were doing, but they were entrepreneurial enough to create the McDonald's brand using their last name, but didn't really have the ability or the salesmanship, if you will, or the knowledge or maybe just desire to really take it to the next level, which would have been across the country. Mm. And Ray Kroc, the milkshake uh, machine salesman who was phenomenal at his job, convinced them, I'm going to take this brand across the country and McDonald's was born. So, you know, bottom line is, do you have a burning desire to give birth to a brand? Most people do not. Most people do not. And if you do not, franchising is the next greatest thing. You know, what you guys do, whether it's real estate, real estate investing is amazing. Wall Street is amazing. After that, owning your own business is the next big piece of that sort of diversification model. Um, franchising has a long history of success. Franchising has never been better or hotter, and there's more options today than ever before. Part of that is because you guys will have to help me with this. 12, 13 years ago, whenever Google was born, the technology, <laughs> the technology world exploded. So a lot of these franchise brands that might have had the biggest yellow pages ads, if you're you guys aren't old enough to remember that, maybe. Oh, but, yeah. but But the, but you know, those yellow pages ads, that big box, bold ad that people would find you in for air conditioning or whatever your service was, flooring or a restaurant, you know, now it's all about Google AdWords. It's about Facebook ads and franchise brands have dominated on the technology side like never before. There's so, you know, if anybody's ever watched an episode of Shark Tank, we know it's all about customer acquisition. Mr. Wonderful brings it up 
in the first 10 seconds of anyone speaking. And customer acquisition for the franchise world is all about the marketing efforts. And again, you're not in business. You're in business for yourself and not by yourself. And yes, it's all about you know that business in a box. So you're not having to work too hard thinking of everything. I really love that. You said some great things in there. And I think that's an important thing when people think, oh, how do I start a business? It's like, do you truly have a burning desire to 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 make something come to life, you know? Um, and then you were just saying, you know, when you're in business, especially for the franchise, you're not in business um, by yourself, but you are for yourself. And I think that's super important too, because I think us as humans, we want to have like somebody to guide us or to help us. And, and sometimes that's what scares us from starting a business, whether it's by yourself or a franchise, it's, well, I'm going to do this by myself. And, you know, I, I think a great example is like Megan and I, although we did start businesses by ourselves, we ended up together and, and we've gotten so much further together. Um, so yeah. speaking of the whole franchise things, what are some franchises that you do represent and what makes them stand out particularly? I, you know, with all the brands that I represent, I certainly have sort of a top 100, if you will, in all different categories. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you that one of my fav favorites is a brand called Schooly Mitchell. And Schooly Mitchell is a consulting company. It's, it's home-based and, and they call themselves the vendor watchdogs. They help small and medium-sized businesses like yourselves save money on a lot of common things that all businesses use, whether it's things like credit card processing, uh, freight and small courier services, um, trash or waste management, there's data storage. But this is a brand that's literally under $70,000 to start out of your house. And there are franchisees, believe it or not, that net over a million dollars a year. Now, some of those franchisees have already gotten a small office and wow. have a staff. And I know we probably don't have time to go through every little, every brand in that level of detail, but the bottom line is, here's the other thing, and, and I didn't quite answer this before. Um, when it comes to a franchise, the ease of exit, there is a secondary market for franchise brands. There are a lot of people that are looking for existing franchises that somebody else has already, they really don't want to do the work. They find the franchise that's for sale that somebody had, like when I sold my wing stops, I sold them back to corporate. They were happy to take them over turnkey with a mm -hmm. management team in place and the whole nine yards. They had no problem paying that multiple. But the but uh, Schooly Mitchell has sold a home-based franchise. They've Some of their franchisees have sold for over a million and a half dollars. Sold their business, wow. at, which is essentially a home-based business. So Schoolie Mitchell's one example, another home-based business, Footprints Floors. Footprints Floors is a flooring contractor, but that's all they do is the install. And their average investment is 75,000. Their franchisees are netting for one territory, 75 grand over $210,000 a year. Where do you get that? Where do you, yeah. where do you get that return? You know, and... So, and there are plenty of people that make, make more than that. Um, but I have brands, while well, I say 90 categories, you can distill it down within the categories. Within the categories could be 400 subcategories. I mean, I have absentee owned businesses where you truly don't have to do anything. I have semi-absentee where you can hire a manager and spend 10 hours a week doing your, your thing. And then I have some like Fast Signs, which is an incredibly well-known gold standard brand incredibly well-managed, amazing CEO and leadership team. 
And Fast Signs is your retail sign slash marketing company that they were doing all the Lexans for people in the middle of the pandemic, you know, to protect their staff, you know, go to Fast Signs, get something done within 24 hours or less. And uh, and Fast Signs is incredible, but you have to be an owner operator. doesn't matter how mm-hmm. good you guys are. If you're not going to operate it yourself, they want you to be active in that business to launch it. That's um, interesting. And why is there quick, because I, you know, yeah. I have up the website that uh, with the different industries, for example, and there's definitely certain categories that have a lot more than others. And, our, you know, our main business is in the financial services, and there's not many in that in that category. And I was just yeah. curious why you thought that was. Yeah, you know, well, and, and that's a good observation. Um, true story, depending on the industry, financial services, um, some of it has to do with the uh, licensing, depending mm-hmm. on what it is. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, sort of disqualifies somebody from making it a franchise, but I had some very wealthy, well-to-do commercial real estate guys have a conversation with me last week to take their office in the Northeast and make it into a franchise. Well, there's a lot of real estate related franchises. Um, and I have plenty of brands not even listed on that site, but, uh, in with financial services, it could be, um, it could be the licensing, maybe not in the medical world. That was the case in the beginning. My brother and his wife own veterinary hospitals. They're animal doctors, both of them. They have quite a few hospitals. And, you know, we were discussing setting up a franchise. And, you know, they're like, can that be done? Well, funny story. uh, One of the hottest franchises I've ever seen. There is still a little bit of room left in the United States, but not much. It's called QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is a regeneration center where non-surgical um, people come to, you know, whether it's stem cells, their knees, their, their, their elbows, their shoulders, everybody in America, in the back, people have pain everywhere, it seems. And th- this was a brand started by orthopedic surgeons. Probably 15 years ago, this never would have happened. You know, doctors would have never started a franchise. But the success of QC Kinetics is outrageous. I have multiple friends that have bought multi-unit territories, and they made it a one-day-a-week franchise. The office is only one day, open one day a week, costs about 300000 open an office, and the numbers are, are insane. In so one day a week? There are people in the medical field who open it and do it one day a week. So they, You don't even have to be in the medical field. That's the beauty of it. They have all kinds of investors with no medical background. All three of us can get into it together, but we have to obviously hire the appropriate people and and put them in place to do these procedures. But they have a very proprietary methodology. And these guys are no joke. I mean, these guys uh, started, uh, I want to say, eight clinics before that they owned these doctors, before they launched their franchise system. They wanted to make sure they perfected it. So those are are just a couple examples. I mean, I have I have so many. I have um, a home care. I have about 38 home care franchises, one of the hottest segments out there. I mean, look, restaurants are the most popular still. (laughs) With, uh, you know, with over 90 categories and you said maybe even 400 subcategories, it sounds like there's definitely something out there for everybody, you know, depending on, like I said earlier, depending on what you want to do or what you you have a passion for doing, um, 
and because you have so many, I'm just curious. I'm going to throw this question out there. Do you have any that would open in Puerto Rico? <laughs> of course. Be because there's not many, literally, there's only probably, I don't know, 15, 20 brands in Puerto Rico. Like there's not a Dunkin' Donuts. Chick-fil-A doesn't exist there. And, and I'm sure it probably has to do with, you know, hurricanes and stuff like that. But um, no, here's typically what, what American brands do is they, they want to fill up America first, the U.S. first, create that sort of critical mass, I should say, the, the contiguous states, mm. and then they branch off. Like I had a gentleman in Australia who I got through a friend that wanted to do one of our real estate. We have quite a few very good real estate-related franchises, and he wanted to do one of our property management franchises in Australia. And we were, we were structuring the deal, and you know, then COVID hit again over there, although it's hitting them differently than other people. They've been having tremendous success compared to some of the, some of the U.S. But uh, you know, so we're still talking about it. But my point is uh, Australia is a hell of a hike. There are plenty of U.S.-based burger brands that haven't even made it to Australia just because of distance. Uh, gotcha. although, although with technology, you can support, I mean, I have friends that own multiple franchise brands in different states that they don't even live because you can, yeah. you know, you can do that these days. But, you know, one thing I want to make sure that, that, that everybody listening understands, you know, when it comes to, there's a lot of misconceptions also with franchising. When you asked the question earlier about disadvantages, there are people that can't be put in that box. And it's not a bad box. You're not suffocating. But for some people, it could be considered suffocating because if you don't have your own idea and you get into a franchise that you fall in love with and years later you decide you have your next big bright idea, you know, you could sell that idea. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, you can you can discuss that. When I was president of the Franchise Advisory Council for Wingstop, we had franchisees that would offer all kinds of suggestions and they would mainly filter through me and our council. So we give them to the corporate executives and say, you know, we need to add some sort of chicken finger or boneless wing because in the early days we didn't have it. And what do you think happened? It was added. It was added. But, but it was added at that point, it, you know, for a long time. It wasn't. Um, you know, at McDonald's, the filet of fish and the Big Mac were invented by franchisees. But if you're an individual that really, truly can't follow a system, um, you you don't and and Meg's laughing with for obvious reasons. Um, there are people like that. Let, let me tell you, and that's what my father told me in the early days. I was unemployable. Go get go do your own thing. So you know, I had a C, I had a CPA call me recently through a friend, and he wanted to do a fitness brand, and I gave him one of the hottest fitness brands that I have, and he was late to the first call. So what do you think happened? I got a call from the VP of development who I know from that brand and said, you know, just so you know, he's late to the call. If he's late again, he's, he's out of the process because if he's giving, if he's that discourteous to us now, imagine when he's a franchisee, what, how he's going to treat us then. And, uh, and, and sure enough, it happened again. And I begged her, I said, look, I'll talk to him again, give him one more shot. And she did. And he was argumentative in, in a group call. And then they officially kicked him out of the system. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how smart. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. There's a culture. There's a culture that people are looking to uh, keep intact for everybody. But here's the beauty and the best advantage to buying a franchise. First of all, people think, oh, franchise isn't for me. You have to be a millionaire. BS. Mm. I already gave you examples. I mean, if you had $25,000 
and and some other net worth, not just $25,000, but some other net worth, because they want to make sure you don't go out of business because you're lacking capital, I can find your franchise. And But the misconceptions are you have to be a millionaire. But the best part of the franchise system that I put people through is the validation stage. Any brand that you two would fall in love with, the final step essentially is getting an opportunity to talk to existing franchisees that were in your shoes. So they were nervous. In in terms of that, which is really coming up to my next question that you can continue with. Um, so somebody comes to you, right? And so how do you match up a new business? Because you started talking about like, well, picking the two brands and falling in love. So one of my questions is, how do you match up searching a new business owner with a franchise, right? Um, and then do most people come to you with an idea? They're like, oh, I love animals or, oh, I love, you know. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, I like they, ice cream. <laughs> like, what, do they yes. come to you with an idea in mind, uh, what they want to open? Or do some people say, you know, I don't really know what I want to do, but I know that I want to be the man or the woman. I don't want to work for the man or the woman anymore. Yep. No, you guys ask phenomenal questions. And that is just, that is a perfect one. So the first step with anybody is, well, I shouldn't say the first step, but included in the first phone call, we get to things like, what is your investment level? You know, there's, there's people I talk to in the first call. I only want a restaurant. Why? They don't, they don't know this, but everybody seems to think it's a sexy business. Well, what? the reality, it is not. It is not. No. It's, it's great because you can feed your own, your whole family and friends and, and you can eat ice cream if that's what you like. Right, May? So, you know, but, but the first step is what are your interests? And, and people that like pets might want a pet franchise. We have quite a few great pet franchises. Um, but what do you have kids? You might want a kid related franchise, but about half the people come to me and have a general idea of what they might want. But then the other half come to me and have absolutely no idea. And some people tell me, I don't want a restaurant. I don't want this. I don't want employees. I only want home base. So that is exactly what we cover. And then I get to the root of, well, well, why? Dre, why, why do you only want home base? Well, you know, Lance, I was a corporate executive and I managed all these people and it was always difficult. And and maybe at that point I slide in there. I can be manipulative. I'm joking. In a, in a very positive influential. way. Influential. Influential. No, I I am very influential and I do manipulate the conversation in my client's favor because a lot of times people thank me. I really appreciate you being forceful with me and telling me what I should be looking at. Because I dive very deep to understand what it is they're not happy about in their life, in their past, in their history. What do they like? What do they not like? And I know I have to match them up not only with the brand in that specific category, like home improvement is so hot these days, like the flooring company I mentioned. But but do they have sales ability? Are they willing to hire somebody to, to help with sales? So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's all about investment level. Are you going to be the owner operator? Are you going to be a semi-absentee owner? Are you not? I worked with a guy who's phenomenal and in the last minute he decided, you know, I can't quit my job. Well, you can't have this business because you have to run it. Well, my brother-in-law might want to work, run it. Well, his brother-in-law didn't want to run it. Well, hire a manager then. No, I don't want to do that. So 
you know, and we were dead in the water. In other cases, I closed 10 deals in the last couple of weeks on people that were ready. Some people take two years to get ready. Some people take two weeks to get ready. So, but a lot of times when I understand somebody's personality and their history and their investment level and whether they're running it or not, it comes to me pretty quickly. In addition, on my website, I have a free assessment and that helps me. It takes Ooh. you about 15 minutes. It helps me determine through the answers to those questions, what your mindset is, skill set, history, comfort zone, et cetera, and what you're really capable of. I mean, some people it comes out of there, out of that saying they're a multi-unit manager, ready to go, multi-unit yeah. franchisee. Others, it says single unit, and there's nothing wrong with either. I have a friend that started with one Great Clips hair salon, which is in our portfolio, one Great Clips hair salon. Now he's got 20. Wow. And it started with, and, and, and you know what he nets off of a Great Clips? Last I heard, about $75,000 a location. So a million and a half dollars in cash flow. And he worked hard for, last I heard, a year and a half. And that was about it. And, you know, That's but he, he was almost the accidental success story because he just wanted to do a $200,000 investment. There was a consultant. I only met him a few years after he started. But the consultant, like me, that connected him, when the consultant presented Great Clips as an idea for him, he fell out of his chair laughing. He's a bald guy that doesn't know how to cut hair. Why would he be interested in a salon? So that's the fa my favorite part of this entire process, guys, is that in most cases, the franchise they settle on is nothing they expected in the first place. And I'm going to skip to a question that I thought of when we were talking about this. So everybody, if you don't know and you're listening, you, if you go look up success rates of, you know, new businesses, startup businesses, you know, they say in the first year, you know, 20 or 30% fail by year five, 50% fail, right? So in choosing a franchise, does it guarantee success? Because I, you know, I know none of these numbers are going to be 100% accurate, but I, I saw that the the failure rate is much, much lower. Is that yeah. true? Such a, another great question. So the failure rate is definitely going to be lower because much lower because it's a proven system. They, the franchisor, could never put in writing that you will be successful because it's kind of like a marriage. Um, you know, everybody goes into these things with great intentions, but nobody knows how you're really going to perform as a franchisee. There are franchisees that get involved in a franchise that might have been perfect for them. And six months in, they decide they have some other business venture. They're getting back into real estate, which is what made them the money in the first place. And now they're having their child, their son, their daughter, or they hired a manager who is half as knowledgeable as the initial intended franchisee. So there's a lot of reasons in every franchise brand, whether it's McDonald's or Fast Signs, I always say this, there's always a bottom 10%. Now you know who you know who who could tell you best mm. specific to that brand why these people are the bottom 10%? When you go through validation, ask those top performers that you're going to run into during the validation process and say, "Hey, give me some information on the lowest or the the call it the worst franchisees in this particular system. Why are they the worst?" And in most cases, they don't follow the system. 
They don't pay attention. They're not good with their employees if there's a, a, a team mentality to it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of the reasons, and that, that'll be one of my books someday soon enough, is a lot of the reasons are exactly the same. I, I'm just getting so many like aha moments in terms of like, you know, you were saying earlier, it, it, it relates to what you were saying just now, but like they just don't follow the system, right? It's not that hard. Trust the process. Megan and I kind of talk about that, the same thing in the mortgage industry. It doesn't matter what business you're in, right? So let's talk about just any business that you love in general. If somebody who's successful gives you a roadmap and says, do X, Y, and Z, and you go and do X, Y, and Z, which, you know, Megan and I have sell, you know, we have loan officers underneath them. Some of them do X, Y, and Z, and they're crushing it. I mean, literally... And then there's ones who do X and then they do A, B. And it's like, no, 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 no. The formula was X, Y, Z, not X, A, B. Um, so that's, I'm just going like, it doesn't matter what business you're in, right? Like if yeah. you want to thrive, you know, find somebody who's successful, ask them what they did to be successful, follow that formula, and then curtail it a little bit, right? To your own needs or, or to whatever you like. Oh, and I I'm said, thinking some other things too. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but to your exact point. This is it, so good. To I'm your like, exact, what business can we get into? <laughs> to your exact point, uh, I, I'm launching my own podcast, and I put put a couple of episodes in the can, so to speak. And uh, I was interviewing Dennis Schooley, the founder of Schooley Mitchell. And Dennis was a CPA back in the day, and as a CPA, people he realized people weren't controlling their expenses like they could. We all know in every business, you can either increase your revenue or decrease your expenses, or both. And, and it drove him a little bit crazy that people could, you know, reduce their expenses appropriately by bidding out, whatever. And that's why he created Schooley Mitchell. But we talked a lot about that exact point. It's like, Dennis, why can't people follow the system? He goes, it's amazing, Lance. They, they, they tell us all the things that we want to hear. And they have a background that supports what they're telling us. But you got to go out and do it. You have to go out and actually execute the plan. You know, it's like people, we all have friends that talk about working out and I'm not making fun of anybody, yeah. but you know, I'm going to be 55 this year. If it wasn't for working out, I wouldn't be sane or I'd be less sane. I don't know. It keeps me sane. And, and I just do it. It's part of my daily routine, like brushing my teeth. And, you know, so trusting the process, finding the company culture that you believe you fit most with. In most cases, it is truly like looking at a shoe on the shelf at a store and saying, that's pretty. Let's see if it's comfortable. It's the same thing with a franchise, although much more detailed. But yeah. you put that shoe on and you're like, I think this could be it. But there's so many steps to picking it. It's not, you know, again, like the obnoxious CPA I mentioned earlier in the call, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing how many people are like, well, I'll decide whether this is good for me. I said, no, no. This is a two-way street. It's not about you. It's about both of you. It's their brand. Franchisors yeah. don't just want your money. They need you to be successful. In franchising, there's a legal document called the Franchise Disclosure Document, the mm -hmm. FDD. Franchising is regulated by the federal government. You have, oh, wow. you have to disclose if you close a location. You have to disclose if you have litigation. You have to disclose many, many things. So, 
so when people think uh, it's expensive or it's this, all BS. At the end of the day, if you can create your own business, that's wonderful. But franchising is an amazing option for, you know, Meg, we were talking about statistics before we came on uh, on the industry. I think it's about 65% of America at any one time seriously want to be their own boss. I think it's actually more than that, yeah. or maybe seriously 65%. Yeah. And there's a lot of those people that are fully capable of jumping into a franchise. I don't care if you make $40,000 a year, you can save up $50,000 at some point and, yeah. and, and get into a brand. Andre and I, um, and we started talking about on the podcast, we, you know, in our industry, there's there's no roadmap for people who want to start independent mortgage brokerages. And so um, it's something we put together because it's how our company has grown. We have a system. We have, you know, this roadmap. Franchising yeah. soon. <laughs> Maybe. That's what's it's making me think because we have all these templates and we're like, oh, my gosh, like, what do we give them? But the thing that I've also I'm also sitting here thinking for other people, which if you have not started a business yet, but, you know, you want to when we were thinking through even pricing this course, right? Because I mean, this stuff we went through and literally outlined in the course, the, the 90 day course part is going to be right around $10,000, which is like, seriously, it is so cheap compared to the dollar value of what these people will get. We wrote it out, our mistakes, the money we spent that we didn't realize it until we figured out how to save money better this way. Like it was over $500,000 that they will save if they follow this roadmap. Yep. And so the the franchise, I can understand. Now, what I don't understand is what you get when you do the franchise. Like, you know, what when you decide, okay, I want to do a McDonald's, right? Are they giving you a book? Are they giving yep. you a place to call? Are yeah, they let's, showing let's you how talk to about that. needs? No, another fantastic question. Let's talk about that. So a franchise agreement that you sign is, is the contract for that particular franchise. So if it's in the case of a McDonald's, you sign and you put an address down. I'm going to be op opening a McDonald's at 123 Main Street. If not, they attach an addendum later when you have the address. But you have uh, an agreed upon territory and you have the license to use the trademark and follow their system, all of it franchisors have the ability to control the brand. And it's not just for them, it's for the sake of the integrity of the brand and all the other franchisees or corporate stores within that brand. Now, yes, they will be, you are gonna pay, and let me let me just, let's back up on, on the fees. So all that's involved in a franchise is a franchise fee that you pay to the brand. And that's a one-time fee. Every franchise has it, could be $10,000, it could be $75,000. And, I have a fitness brand that invested millions in the technology. And a lot of people haven't even heard of this brand yet, but it's going to be incredible. And they invested millions in the technology that they found in Europe that nobody else in the U.S. has. They have a patent. So they charge like $65,000 for their franchise fee. But to your point earlier, what? first of all, you can't even have the technology on your own. You have to join that particular brand. And uh, so the franchise fee essentially gets you trained and it gets you the keys to the kingdom. It gets you all of the mistakes, as you say, 
Yeah. Really, really, it gets you the best practices, gets you the operations manuals. It gets McDonald's corporate coming to support you in an opening. Um, so, uh, and then you have the royalty. The royalty is really where the franchise brands make money. And that feeds into their valuation down the road because franchisors, if you were going to franchise your system, you know, you're worth a multiple of your cash flow, which of course, when you have franchise, you know, you have 500 franchise locations, it's all about your royalty. And you're going to charge, you know, 5%, 6%, 7%, something fair. So the franchisee can still make a nice, um, you know, make a nice living. But the franchisors, when you go to sell, franchisors could be worth 10 times cash flow. So we'll do that math offline in a minute. But, you know, it, so the bottom line is the fees are minimal in the scheme of things because you hit on something very important a lot of people don't discuss. When you buy a franchise, as opposed to starting your own business, you are not going to make the mistakes. You're going to make a lot more mistakes when you do it on your own oh, because yeah. you're head, you have nobody supporting you. You can... I tell everybody this, whether you're gonna start your own business or whether you're gonna buy a franchise, resource up. A friend of mine once told me that terminology, resource up, whether it's a mastermind group, whether it's a Facebook group, whether you hire a coach, whatever you choose to do, whatever you choose to do, I am your resource when it comes to franchising. I just handed somebody uh, multiple attorneys, a CPA that handles franchising, whatever. And I don't care who you use. I hand people six or seven finance people if they want that many at once. Usually it's two. I don't want to overwhelm people. You know, it's like drinking out of a fire hose when you get into this. Yep. No, it, it, it absolutely is. And it's like, we know because we've made a lot of mistakes to get to where we're at. And it's like, yeah. So fran franchising gives you the guardrails that you really need to stay safe, stay sane, make a living, you're going to make a lot less mistakes, potentially none if you pay attention. It made me correlate it to the mortgage business or really, again, you could do it in any business. So for instance, in our business, let's say we make two and a half points, you know, and the salesperson only makes so much of it. And sometimes salespeople are like, well, why do you get that cut? Well, we're the resource. Well, we invested in the technology. Well, we're the ones who have support for you, right? And, right. and, and it doesn't have to be. So sometimes people don't understand, well, why am I paying this franchise fee? I'm the one who's going to be running it. I'm the one who's going to be putting this set sweat equity. Well, somebody already put in the work for you. So all you have to do is follow the XYZ roadmap to have success. Um, it's price versus cost. I mean, people look at yes. the cost of something, or right? They look at the price and they don't want to pay it. And it's, yes, it's cheaper to go start something on your own that you yes. spend a little bit less, but you're going to spend a heck of a lot more in the it, lessons that you're going to learn along the way, which for all of you listening, you know, Andre and I have shared a lot of mistakes <laughs> that we've made through the years. But no, you guys, Andre, that was a great point. And Meg as well. It's, it's all about the value proposition. And there are a lot of people, like I had a guy just today, I mean, if I told you day by day these emails and the follow-ups, some people say, like I have a guy that that inquired about Footprints Floors, and then he realized it was a franchise, and he said, well, I want to buy an existing business. And I was like, well, sometimes it's like a needle in a haystack, and you're either going to get somebody's nightmare that they're selling for cheap that you're going to have to spend the time to fix, and if it's not a franchise, I, I mean... You're you're all by yourself fixing a nightmare. 
Now, if you're going to buy a very successful independent business or a franchise, you're going to overpay because you're going to have to pay a multiple on their cash flow. Franchising uh, franchises get great multiples, the best. You're going to get three to five times cash flow when you sell your franchise, which is why when I mentioned Schooley Mitchell, I mean, you know, if you're going to sell for a million and a half plus, you can imagine what that cash flow is. So, uh, but you know, everybody, look, I always say this beauty's in the eye of the beholder and everybody has, everybody was raised a certain way and it's not a question of wrong, but Mm -hmm. I get to change those perceptions because some, some people come to me with really wrong perceptions that are not going to make them any money. Speaking of like being raised or, or mentored or something like that. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm really curious to hear this one from you because I know Megan and have, and I have a lot of mentoring stories um, that we love and we've been mentored. So was there ever a time that you mentored someone? Like, can you give us an example that will always remind you like, man, this is why I do what I do or, you know, where somebody came into you and, and, and you changed their life, you know, and, and they're just so grateful for that. And so I'd love to hear a story yeah. of, like that. Well, the answer might be a little little wishy-washy, but I, I'm a natural mentor. I've done it my whole life. I love to give back. Um, my friend Ann taught me a terminology. In fact, I have a keychain somewhere in my office here. It says, givers gain. Mm-hmm. And, and I am a big giver. I have people almost weekly that reach out through a friend or, or make a comment on Facebook and they tag me because a business owner needs help or somebody that got in over their head, needs help. So on a regular basis, I'm in phone calls, could be a half hour, could be an hour. Try not to be more than an hour, um, I'm busy. But I wanna help people and I constantly do it. When I was president of the Franchise Advisory Council for Wingstop, it was a constant thing when people were struggling in a market where there was no other Wingstops. When Wingstop was a young brand, I had to talk a lot of people off the ledge, so to speak, but I don't understand. Well. They just didn't get the traction yet. Don't worry. Stick to the plan. Trust the process. Keep delivering great service. Keep delivering amazing food. Um, And I've done that from my employees. I was the guy when I was running restaurants still with Wingstop, Krispy Kreme. I'd hire the 14-year-old kid in high school that my other friends that own businesses said, why are you hiring kids so young? I said, well, they're allowed to work a certain amount of hours. And they're like a blank slate. I can teach them things that they don't know, they have no idea about. But if they have the right attitude, I'm going to get the right behavior and I'm going to be able to mold them. And I've gotten multiple generations of families because of that. That's a whole other book on hiring for the hospitality industry because I know how to do it well. Um, But no, is there there one individual story helping a a, a brew pub brand in the Midwest? they called me through a friend and said, you know, basically we'll, we'll pay you whatever. We need your help to look at our locations and, and really mentor our, our existing franchisees and help us get this to the next level. And, and I take a very deep approach looking at the operations, looking at, you know, the purchasing, how they're doing it. And, and some of the youngest brands and some of the people I talk to that are looking at franchise opportunities I said, look, your appetite is not for a young brand. You need a brand that has 50 locations or more. If you get in a system with five locations, even though it's a great brand, I think it's a great brand, it's too young for you. You might need a little more support. 
And that's just your personal, your comfort zone. And I have a guy right now in Texas like that. I put him with a brand that is very, very, very mature. So yeah, mentoring is just a way of my my life, so to speak. And I, and I do a console. No, and I, I would love to kind of flip the, the script. You know, we've talked a lot about the, on the side of someone wanting to, you know, be their own boss, start a franchise, how that's different. So on the other end of the spectrum, what determines if a current business should consider franchising? We kind of alluded to it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you even look at a company and say, all right, you guys should really think about helping other people open up something like this, right? Yeah. You, you want to you play along and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll flip it on you. And I'll tell you the first question that I tend to ask people, what is your secret sauce? You don't have to be a restaurant, but what is what is so good about what you do that you have to share this with the entire United States or the world for that matter? So you want me to say like well, you can, you can, or I can just keep going with the hypothetical. Great, no, it's good. Um, well, it, I would say there's three main tiers, which is our our culture and team building ability to bring in people that fit the model that we've developed. That's very different in the industry. Wonderful. The second thing is, you know, most of most mortgage companies, uh, you have each person going out making relationships to get business. And we've really automated and we have business coming in the door from 10 different angles. And we've figured out how to do that. Love it. Um, which most people don't know how to do. Um, and, you know, we've really also created systems for our people to follow so that they can come in and there's a way to look and, and follow a, a map and a path that we're still getting there on that piece. But those would be the three things that I would say you go look at other independent brokerages and they don't have those three pieces. So for everybody listening, what Meg just detailed is really it. Those are the factors. And I listen and ask questions to ensure that those things are currently in place. In addition to a brand that can be trademarked, I cannot tell you, I have a couple of good franchise, uh, not franchise, but trademark attorneys, and I cannot tell you how many people get started that they forget about the trademark. Mm. Now, in a franchise system, you're not required to have a federal trademark in some states, but you are in others. <laughs> so what I tell people is if you don't have a trademarkable name, get it, you know, you, you need one. And I could certainly walk people through that before I introduce them to trademark attorneys. So that as long as you have a trademark, in addition to the things that you laid out. And then the last piece, which I'm sure you are, have certainly perfected, is that there is a profit path, that there's a path to making money, to a good ROI when my friend did great clips. One of his requirements was, look, I'm gonna get a $200,000 SBA loan, I'm gonna put down 25%, and I want my money back within two and a half years. And guess what? All those things happen. So as long as your brand fits within all of that, which I'm guessing it will, we establish what the franchise fee would be. We pull up comps, we pull up, uh, of course you guys know what comps are, everybody listening I'm sure knows what a comp is. You pull up the comps of other brands in your category. And, you know, and so, in fact, some people make the franchise fee a little higher than their other brands, but maybe they make the royalty lower. At the end of the day, the royalty is the most significant because the franchisees are paying that forever. And franchise agreements are automatically renewable. Typically, they're 10-year agreements. 
We're automatically renewable. That's why McDonald's and brands that are older, multi-generational, just keep renewing unless they choose to sell and get out. So anyway, so setting up a franchise system, I talk to many people that are not quite ready. I give them pointers as to what they need to get ready. Uh, my partner, Chris, and I will do a tag team call and jump on and, you know, further either investigate. And so kind of as we're wrapping up here, because I'm sure we could keep going on forever. I just think it's such an interesting topic and oh something my gosh, we haven't yeah. been as exposed to. Don't be um, surprised if Megan and I fill out your your free uh, analyzer <laughs> quiz and our names pop up in your email just to see what would pop up. It'll go, it'll go right to my email. <laughs> so... Um, I guess as we wrap up, what, if you could, what is a takeaway for people listening on, on the two groups, you know, the group that doesn't own a business yet, but they're, they're looking, they're looking, they're searching, yeah. they're trying to figure out what they're going to open. And then, you know, a big takeaway for someone who currently owns a business and would well, want to consider becoming a franchise. Anybody listening, whether you have an independent business that you're thinking of growing and scaling and don't want the hassle of throwing all your capital or raising capital and doing it all yourself, franchising could be right for you. I am a free resource. Let's set up a call to discuss that. Reach out to my website at ionfranchising.com. Anybody looking for their perfect franchise or for that matter, most people aren't even looking for a franchise. They're looking for a business opportunity. They're looking to see how they're going to get out of the corporate world. And this most certainly can be your answer. So there is no harm. It might actually surprise you. Reach out. I had a lady that heard me on a podcast recently. She reached out, did the assessment, and, and we get on the call and she goes, you're not going to believe this. But I started listening to my favorite podcaster who had you on. I heard the topic was on franchising, which I have zero interest in. But by the time I got done listening to you, I'm ready to buy a franchise. <laughs> And I said, well, are you interested in a business opportunity? Absolutely. But she didn't have the money. She wasn't interested yet. But now she's interested because she heard things she didn't know. You know, she knew a lot of the, the, the misnomers or the misconceptions about franchising. So if you have any interest in being your own boss, period, reach out. I'm happy to talk, talk to you, walk you through the process. I don't care if you're not ready for 10 years. I'm happy to help. And walk you through, you know, what what the potential is for yourself. And we will put um, all of, we'll put the website. Where's the best place for people to find you, to ask questions, to connect with you? Yeah, well, the website, ion, ionfranchising.com. And so it's ionfranchising.com. Uh, I'm all over social media, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, me personally, me as Ion Franchising. You can, easy to find. If you Googled, if you Googled me, you're going to find me pretty easily because I've been on a lot of podcasts. No, that's perfect. Go take that quiz. Uh, everyone go check it out. Connect. You never, you just, you never know. I mean, like, like we've been talking about during this uh, episode today, Andre and I might check it out because, you know, we have things that we're constantly working on. It's not something we've considered before, but it might be something worth looking at. Always keep your options open. Always be curious and learn from others. That, that's how all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in a great place one day. You know, you I'll tell you my 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 two favorite quotes that are totally all about franchising is, you know, franchising is modeling success. Mm -hmm. And and the that's other key, 
The other piece that is a domain that'll launch sometime soon is clarity is currency. It is clarity is currency. And there's a lot of people that I can help get really clear on what they want, whether they're already a millionaire and just want to do better for their family and continue to build that generational wealth, or whether it's somebody just starting out. I work with a lot of young people that you start young, the younger you are, the better. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed this conversation. I know Andre has as well. <laughs> thank you yeah. so much for having me. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, collaborators, please send us a message. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback, your questions, anything that you would like to hear on this topic. Uh, maybe we will uh, have Lance on again here in the future if we get enough questions on uh, opening up your own franchise. So thank you, Lance, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today, collaborators. If you found value or got some piece of information out of this, make sure to find us at thecollablife.com. You can also join our Facebook group and our Facebook page at The Collab. On YouTube, you can find us at The Collab. On Instagram, you can find us at The Collab Life. We also release our brand new episodes every single Tuesday morning. And if you have any questions or there's anything that we can do for you, any value that you would like to add to our business, we'd love to hear from you. And you can email us at hello at thecollablife.com.